place it before you and inscribe a city on it, Jerusalem. Then lay siege against it, build a siege wall, raise up a ramp, pitch camps, and place battering rams against it all around. Then get yourself an iron plate and set it up as an iron wall between you and the city, and set your face toward it so that it is under siege, and besiege it. This is a sign to the house of Israel. As for you, lie down on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You shall bear their iniquity for the number of days that you lie on it. For I have assigned you a number of days corresponding to the years of their iniquity, 390 days. Thus you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. Then you, when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have assigned it to you for 40 days, a day for each year. Then you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared and prophecy against it. Now behold, I will put ropes on you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you've completed the days of your siege. So, this is um, kind of a pantomime. He has Ezekiel get this brick. And I, I take it that he, he sort of you know took a pen or something and, and kind of traced on this brick a little city. Jerusalem. So he, he designs this little city on the brick. And then he, he lays siege against this city on the brick. So he builds this siege wall and he raises the ramp and, and the battering ram. He's got the whole nine yards. And then he gets a big iron plate and puts it like a big wall between him and the city that's under siege. And this is all just acted out like a little toy cops and robbers kind of a thing. Um, Dramatic performances can help you visualize the message, and uh, you know maybe maybe this is a way of communicating to hard-headed people. Uh, there, there's some other passages like this in the Bible. Remember when Ahijah ripped Jeroboam's uh, robe in twelve pieces and gave him ten of them? That was kind of the same kind of thing, kind of a acted-out sort of a presentation. And so this iron plate is going to be like this iron curtain, you know, that that cuts him off and. And I think the idea is Jerusalem is going to be under siege, but God's behind the iron plate. You know, their sins have created this barrier, and so God is not with them. You know, God cannot be, uh, uh, you know, interceded uh, with by them. He can't be pleaded with because he's on the other side of that. So, so God's really against them, uh, and and they their their relationship with God has been been broken off. Um, and then while this is happening, he's laying on his left side for 390 days, bearing the iniquity of the house of Israel. And then on his right side for 40 days, uh, bearing the iniquity of the house of Judah. And that's like, what? Well, it surely isn't 24 hours a day, right? Because uh, he's laying uh, on, you know, he's doing some other things. He's doing this brick stuff and all that. So I take it there's a period of time every day that he's laying down. Once we see in a minute what he's eating, he better be laying down most of the time or he's not going to keep body and soul together. But, uh, but you know, it's like, uh, it's like saying, uh, you know, our preacher preached for two months from Colossians. Doesn't mean it was continuous for two months. It means, you know, without two months when he preached, he preached. So I think, you know, he's probably not 24-7. But he spent a lot of time on his side... And so, so you got this guy, he's got this little brick city that he's playing cops and robbers with, you know, he's playing this siege thing with, and then he's lying on his, on his one side for over a year, and then on the, suddenly switch to the other side for over a month. You know, what in the world? 
Well, he's actually communicating. You know, so he's under siege and God's against it. What about this the leg on his side business? He says that he's bearing the iniquity of the house of Israel, the house of Judah. And I think there's something in the 390 and the 40. I think that's really kind of the point here. But what is there in 390 and 40? Well, the 40 is easier than the 390. I mean, 40, I think about the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness where they were being punished for their unbelief. So, I, I mean, that makes a good connection to me. But 390? Well, I think the best explanation of that is to say 390 and then add the 40 is 430. And 430 is the time they were in bondage in Egypt in Exodus chapter 12. And so it represents the bondage and then represents the punishment. Um, but uh, that's just my explanation. That's the only thing I can come up with that makes any sense. Uh, so that the, the lying on his side whole business is more difficult for me to understand. The idea of the city being under siege, he's sort of acting that out to draw attention to it. You know, remember, these are the exiles. They're not in Jerusalem, but their hope is, is to go back. Their, their, their belief is that soon they'll be brought back. And what Ezekiel's telling them is, no, Jerusalem's going to be under siege. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. That he's, he's, he's telling these exiles that their, their dream of going back to Jerusalem is never going to be fulfilled because they're not going to be in Jerusalem anymore. All right, thoughts and comments on that. Steve. The concept may have been with the exile that the remnant was still in Jerusalem. There was God's presence. There was home. And it's the other way around. Absolutely. Yes, good point. That's a good way to express that. God's remnant and the future for the people was actually with the exiles, not with the ones who were in Jerusalem, but that's certainly not the way they would probably thought about it. Yeah, good point. Other thoughts? Yes, Brad. Well, if you add 390 and 40, you come up with 430. And they were in bondage in Egypt for 430 years, according to Exodus 12, verses 40 and 41. I am. He spent a total of 430 days on his side. What's Right. Yeah, this is not because they were their defenses were too weak. It's because God was judging them. Yeah, definitely. Yes, definitely. God had put up with a lot for a long time. Yes, good point. Jake? Uh, just to that, yeah, it says, I don't know left side, and laid the iniquity of the house of Israel on. He's telling me. Ezekiel to lay the iniquity of you know, the house of Israel on people. But he's symbolically you know, telling him, lay the iniquity of the house of Israel on, and you shall bear their iniquity. 
I mean, you know, so you, like he said, you know, I had to bear this for so long. And I just, and, and God's all about making somebody, using him as almost as an intercession between God and man. Jesus bore our iniquity, even though he was pure. Here's Ezekiel. He, he's not doing anything. He's actually doing what God wants him to do. He's a priest. And here he is bearing the iniquity in a, in a symbolic way of Israel. And yeah, suffering the punishment, perhaps. As the 40 years in the wilderness of the 430 years under bondage was punishment, suffering for what they've done. Okay? That's, that's tentative, so do anything else you want to with it. If you can come up with a better explanation, let me know. I'd like one. Uh, 9 to 17. Take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and spelt. Put them in a storage jar and use them to make bread for yourself. You are to eat it during the 390 days you lie on your side. Weigh out 20 shekels of food to eat each day and eat it at set times. Also, measure out a sixth of a hen of water and drink it at set times. Eat the food as you would a barley cake. Bake it in the sight of the people using human excrement for fuel. The Lord said, In this way, the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them. Then I said, Not so, sovereign Lord. I have never defiled myself. From my youth until now, I have never eaten anything found dead or torn by animals. No unclean meat has ever entered into my mouth. Very well, he said. I will let you bake your bread over cow manure instead of human excrement. He then said to me, Son of man, I will cut off the supply of food in Jerusalem. The people will eat rationed food in anxiety and drink rationed water in despair. For food and water will be scarce. They will be appalled at the sight of each other and will waste away because of their sin. Now, you might notice kind of the structure through here. For one, now you son of man, get yourself a brick. For nine, but as for you, take wheat, barley, beans, etc. Five, one, as for you, son of man, take a sharp sword. So every section starts with, for, as for you, take this, get that, whatever. Here, get all the different ingredients you can. Basically... Food is so scarce, he's got to throw all the ingredients possible into it to make bread. No one grain was plentiful enough to make its own whole loaf. So you can only survive by mixing together every little scrap you can find and throw it into your bread. Uh, so the idea is kind of starvation rations. In fact, he's only able to eat about eight ounces of food and drink about two-thirds of a quarter of water a day. Again, what a blessing he was on his side most of the time, perhaps. He wouldn't have much energy for anything else. But, you know, here's the deal. Again, the, the, the service of God's prophets involved hardship. He's got to go through a lot of stuff, a lot of suffering. It's not easy to be a servant of the Lord. You know, God uh, told Isaiah to wander through Jerusalem virtually naked for three years. Jeremiah to quit going to parties and funerals and not get married. Hosea to marry a woman who would betray him and he had to go through all the agonies of that. I mean, God tells his prophets to do tough stuff. And so Ezekiel is, you know, happened to practically starve himself to death. Uh, and, and of course it was a symbol of what it was going to be like for Jerusalem under siege. They weren't going to have anything to eat. And what's worse, well, I, I think worse, he says, now I want you to bake this uh, over human uh, excrement. Now, 
what I hear is that they would, you know, use the manure for uh, kind of holes. They they bake them, and so that they actually cook their food on the coals. So that would have been unclean. I mean, Deuteronomy twenty three. They were always supposed to dispose of their own waste by burying it. That was a part of the cleanness regulations in the law. And when God says, oh, listen, and I want you to bake this on, you know, human uh, waste, Ezekiel immediately recoils. It reminds you of Peter when God tells him to rise, kill, and eat. You know, he's like, uh, I'll God, behold, I've never been defiled for from my youth until now. I've never eaten one died of itself was torn by beast, nor has any unclean meat ever entered my mouth. I don't, I don't eat stuff like that. That would have been unclean and wrong from the standpoint of the law to eat that. And so he just kind of recoils in horror. I think I might recoil for some other reasons, like hygienic. Can you imagine? Well, um, but God said, okay, good enough. Cow dung. <laughs> well, maybe that's better. I, 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 but maybe not as much better as I would have hoped it had, would have been if I were him. But he concedes to his uh, sensibilities on the human uh, waste uh, issue and uh, says, this is what's going to be like. Uh, it's going to be no bread, no water, no fuel. And Ezekiel's going through this kind of as acting out what's going to happen in Jerusalem. So that's, can you imagine, even by chapter 4, I bet you people were talking all the time about Ezekiel. What a nut job he was. You know, can you imagine? But it's drawing attention. They're hard-headed, hard-hearted, stubborn, rebellious people. uh, And, you know, sometimes acting things out. And drawing attention to it by some outlandish actions may be really the best thing you can do to actually wake somebody up. Okay. Questions and comments on all that? Yeah. Rachel. Sin is to him. And 
that we can take that as an example for us of just how disgusting that God thinks sin is. Like, just thinking about the things that he put some of the prophets through, like, that's really weird. And we will have, we will have additional opportunities to see how disgusting sin is in this book. So, yes, that's a good point. Jake? So, again, it's easy to see a one-way kind of view of this, but uh, as we are also God's inheritance, we, you know, we tend to, God is in heaven is our inheritance, but we are also his inheritance as well. Um, that's why he gives down payment for us. So it's, it, we can see uh, Ezekiel going through these things uh, and, and certainly representing the children of Israel and what's going to happen, what God is doing to them, is going to get ready to do. So he's taking the front of that, but also uh, I would say, you know, this would also represent God had to, you know, in order to get anything out of the people, he had to search for them, right? You know, just these people, you know, all, all the stuff to make it forever. He had to get just whatever he could get. That's what he made it forever. You know, he cooked it over dough. You know, like, this, this is what he got out of the people. And, and so this two-way street, not only uh, is he getting ready to show what this is what I've been going through, too. Like, in, in some sense of the world, in his word, in whatever spiritual application this would be, or reality this would be, this, this is what I've been getting out of and this is all your work right now. Okay. Other thoughts? <laughs> yes, Chuck. Let me start with a series. Why are we doing anything? I mean, is. Why does Ezekiel seem to be more concerned with his cleanliness than God? Is God making an exception, or is this like a perceived uncleanliness thing? Yeah, I mean, I think the point is they're not going to have any fuel other than their own waste. Um, I mean, God is going to use him for extreme things. I mean, didn't God make an exception when he told Abraham to sacrifice his son? You could, you know, well, yeah, sort of, but yeah, whatever, however you look at that. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a uh, shock, and but he's making the point by the shock. I think that's, if this had been a normal thing, then it wouldn't have been so shocking. All right, chapter 5, verses 1 to 4.